Hello and welcome to Forgotten Cello Music. This is, can you believe it, episode number 50. I've made it to 50. Today's podcast is special because it's episode 50, but also because it is going to be about a piece of music that I have been listening to for years and years and have never played until this episode as we speak. It is not about a forgotten cellist, but it is about a forgotten piece of cello music, or at least a neglected piece of cello music. You may have heard me talk about it a little bit, and if you've been watching my videos on YouTube, you definitely have seen posts. Yes, I'm talking about Felix Mendelssohn's Lied ohne Worte, that is, Song Without Words. I'm not doing the traditional version of cello and piano. I am doing a version that I arranged for cello duet. You know that I make arrangements from time to time and that I put them on Sheet Music Plus for purchase. I'll have a link in the description for that as well, so please visit there, check it out. I have other arrangements available for sale as well. Well, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I see the numbers are holding fairly steady, especially considering that I was so inconsistent even before the summer started. Now, I have an excuse because the summer is here, and, you know, with kids, things get a little busy, and we have a lot of activity going on. But school is starting up again soon, and I'll be able to get back to business and do things more consistently. So I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. Well, let's get right into the episode. You can look forward to uh, listening to the arrangement in the background, and I'll play some of it without any talking over it so you can hear uh, some showcased sections that I'm particularly fond of. And recently I was also able and fortunate enough to play with a pianist, so I will feature just a few excerpts from that little recording as well. Well, in a podcast that bears the title Forgotten Cello Music, you might wonder how Felix Mendelssohn, a precocious composer and pianist, born in 1809, died in 1847, I mean, how does he figure into this mix? And I suppose it's justified. However, I mean, bear with me here. I'm going to go through a few points. Let's list a few of the things that he's famous for. His symphonies, the octet, the violin concerto, of course, string quartets. Uh, these are prominently placed on programs the world over. There are many pieces that are basically overlooked, and I would say at the very least not played very often. His piano concertos, they feature from time to time, but are not really played that much. And then if you go back in his early stage, the string symphonies, wow, I actually performed a couple of these um, just after I 
got out of college. It was fantastic. They, they really deserved a little bit closer look. Um, you can tell that he was a young composer, but boy, are they smooth-sounding pieces of music. So they get pr programmed every once in a while, but I don't think you probably have heard them recently. Okay, on to his cello works. He composed three major works for the cello. He composed two sonatas that are of absolute masterful conception, and then one variation concertante, or concert variations. And, and I have to say, these give any Beethoven or Tchaikovsky set a run for their money. Now, just these three works, though masterful in every conceivable way, are really not programmed very much, especially given their sheer brilliance. And I can't say that it's because the piano part's too hard. I mean, there are plenty of pianists that have chops that can play rings around any Mendelssohn piece of music. So I'm not really sure why. They are fantastic pieces of music, and they showcase the cello brilliantly. Um, I've never performed the sonatas, though I've played through them by myself many times. However, I did perform the concert variations, and wow, I mean... <laughs> You can hardly get a, a smoother piece of music that is exciting as well. So the last and fourth piece of music that Mendelssohn composed for cello and piano, the Opus 109, Lied ohne Worte, that is, Song Without Words. It's a, it's a character piece of stunning elegance and full of inspired writing. It is arguably a forgotten piece of music for the cello. Uh, you can hardly find it on YouTube, anyway. I mean, I know of recordings from famous cellists. Um, let's see. Isolis recorded it, and actually that's where I heard it for the first time, on his, on his wonderful recording of the complete works for cello and piano by Mendelssohn. Um, I think Melvin Tan was the pianist in that. And uh, there are other cellists like uh, Moser and Gabeta I found on YouTube that have performed it in concert recently and even recorded it. However, it, it really just doesn't turn up that much when you search for it. Now, before going on, while listening to the recording, either in the background or prominently featured, I think it's... Uh, I have to. I have to give a little disclaimer about my performance of this. How can I? How else can I say it? Glorious work. You know, these days, ultimately perfection is demanded from every musician. Every performance has to be perfect. You have to have the notes just right. I mean, dynamics, uh, balance. Everything has to be perfect, or you get ignored, discarded. People look, uh, it just can't be tolerated. And I'm very self-conscious about this. My playing is far, far from perfect. And oftentimes it's far even from being good in many ways. And I wish I could play better. I've put a lot of work into it. And for some reason or another, there's, there's a mental block that just doesn't allow me to get farther with the results that I do get. 
And maybe part of it is just that I don't play enough. Part of it, I don't have the right environment or, or whatever. But I want you to look past that. Just be aware that there really is more to this music. And I think in the right hands, you could hear much more potential. So I hope that my playing, you know, I'm striving to make it better and better. I think, you know, it's gotten a little bit better. I've gotten more comfortable with being on camera or being behind the microphone. And so it's improving little by little. This piece by Mendelssohn, which I've arranged for cello duet, is, is another piece that I think deserves a closer look. And really, that's the whole purpose of this episode, episode number 50. It is to showcase this arrangement of this glorious, wonderful, beautiful, charming piece of music. And I have to say, I'm actually a little bit proud of the arrangement that I've made, and I do think it has potential. So I hope you take a closer listen, a closer look, and that some of you decide to purchase it. You can you can critique it and you can send me feedback. That would be just wonderful to whether you have negative feedback, positive feedback, or uh, just a word that says good. Thank you for doing this. So, you know, I may not have the talent for great playing, which is a travesty given the love I have for classical music. Anybody that knows me knows that I prefer classical music above any genre, and I will listen to it all day and all night given the choice. Regardless, please look past these foibles at my cello playing to the potential of this arrangement. There you have it. Here's something about my arrangement. I'm going to ask some questions and then answer those questions. And please, if you have any questions of your own, send me a, a message. Uh, make a comment on my YouTube videos. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Anyway, what was I thinking arranging this brilliant character piece by a master composer? Well, I may have already answered that in part, but here we go. The primary reason is that it is a brilliant piece of music, it's beautiful, and I wanted a cello duet version of it so I could record it for this podcast because um, I'm, I'm just a mediocre pianist, well, a basic level pianist, and uh, playing a duet version would just make my day. And so that's what I did. I just actually got the, the thought in my brain and I went to work at it almost immediately as soon as I thought, oh, this is doable. And the secondary reason is I listened to this many years ago for the first time on that Isserlis album, and I've always wanted to perform it. And here we go. I'm doing it. Now, the next question, how did I go about arranging a full piano part for one cello? The interesting thing is whenever it comes to incredible music by great composers, they do things in a way that provide opportunities for the solo instrument, the, the instrument that is being showcased. So the piano part does not 
overpower. It's not in the way of. It's a part of the composition. It's a. It's an ensemble. It's a working together. It's chamber music. And so they masterfully weave the piano part around the cello part, knowing that it could overpower the cello because of the register of the cello. Another way that I did it is that I recognized upon just looking at the piano part good and hard is that actually he wrote it in the lower register while the cello part is just just above that register so it's actually in a beautiful register for the cello accompaniment it's just all right there like first second third a little bit of fourth position and it's it's ready to go it's ready for transcription and there's just a little bit of the right hand part from time to time that needed to be transposed down. Okay, what about chords and sonorities? Yeah, what about them? Actually, it's there's there's quite a little, lot about them, and and this is what I thought. This is what I think. You have to make musical decisions as well as technical decisions. You know, they have to be meted out. Cellists can play up to four notes simultaneously, and we often do, especially with big, robust, grandiose sounds that we want to get out of the instrument, or even like harp or guitar-like strummed sounds that are more gentle. But, you know, those four notes are not always practical. Actually, very seldom are they practical in the, in the, the view of chord progressions. So... This is really where all that music theory that I studied back in college became very useful. Knowing which notes to use and which notes to leave out was, I, I think, a matter of two observations. Number one, will the ear get the gist of the chord? Number two, does it lend itself well to the cello and, of course, to playing it? Now, as I was writing this down, I actually thought, well, maybe there's an actual third one that I could do parenthetically. So here it is. Sonority. That is sound. Does it work? When you go back and listen to it, does it sound good? Um, it, in, and this is in context of the solo, the chord, up and down. So we've got horizontal, vertical, and then progression, you know, groups of vertical events happening um, as time progresses, and then voice leading, how notes progress from one note to the other, going up, going down, leaping, uh, stepwise, and so on. Those are, those are things that are actively going through my mind as I do the transcription. And then, you know, as I go back and play it, I think, hmm... Does that really work? Because you you want to listen to it uh, both without recording it and then doing it again, recording it, so you can really f find out what it sounds like together and then play it on the piano too. Okay, but did the right choices for chords and sonority get made? Well, I kind of touched on that just before I asked this question. And before I go back to answering it specifically 
this is really a matter of artistic realm. You know, of course there's theoretical um, context here, but it's, it's the artistic, it's the aesthetic. Um, does it work for you? Do you think it works? So, of course, to my ear, I did make the correct choices. And uh, other musicians may have chosen differently and likely do or, or will cho choose differently if they um, arranged it themselves. <clears throat> you can see that in famous pieces that are arranged. Every single arranger chooses differently. Now, here's some examples of, of famous composers choosing how they arrange musics. Uh, uh, music from other famous composers or even unknown composers, but Johann Sebastian Bach making arrangements of Vivaldi, Buxtehude, Scarlatti, Buxtehude being the the um, famous organist of the day that Bach went by foot to go listen to, or of Franz Liszt arranging Schubert, Beethoven, Mozart. I mean, these composers oftentimes remain true to the original scores, but many times they use the originals as a guide rather than the infallible, infallible blueprint. Um, okay, here's actually a very famous example which involves Bach. It's not Bach making the arrangement, but it's rather Gounod adding to Bach's original piece. So from the Well-Tempered Clavier, Book 1, the famous prelude in C major that every single person knows and learns on piano, Gounod added this melody, and once he added it, he called it Ave Maria, remember? I mean, you can go look it up. It, this is a, a prime example of one great musician adding to another great musician's work, and I don't care who you are. This is a very beautiful piece of music, and the melody that is added on top of it is, you know, the combined with the the Bach prelude, it's a sublime piece of music, and it's considered that in, I think, probably to most people. In any case, my endeavors have been the result of artistic pleasure. I hope that you will be pleased enough to want it for yourself and tell others of it as well. So, where can you find my arrangement? Go to Sheet Music Plus. I'll have a link in the description. Uh, you can see not only the arrangement that I made for this song without words, but other pleasing duets and one string quartet or uh, cello quartet as well. In addition to purchasing the arrangements, I offer merch at my Patreon. As, uh, for as low as $3 a month, you can get a sticker um, with the Forgotten Cello Music logo on it, and all of the merch has that logo, the same one. Or for $20 a month, you can get this great t-shirt with a, with a rectangle uh, logo on the front. Or for $30 a month, you get this groovy mug with that rectangle logo for all your morning coffees or hot chocolates or tea or, you know, enjoy it. And remember that there is forgotten cello music to be played. I really do hope you will recognize the important work of bringing to light all the contributions made by unknown cellists. Okay, not all the contributions, but many of these contributions. You know, these musicians provided much needed music for their students, 
for their own concert tours or for commissions. At this point, I'll play just a few excerpts, first from the original cello and piano version, and then a little excerpt from my arrangement, the cello duet version. creating this online library, you know, the one you've been listening to it here on my podcast, but if you go to my YouTube channel, there's actually a lot more. I've uploaded, mm, I can't remember, a couple, maybe maybe 200 videos, but definitely a hundred and over a hundred official um, videos of me playing full movements of forgotten cello music. You know, by doing this, by creating this library, I'm, I'm really giving a nod to those cellists. Like, thank you. This is great. I'm recognizing you. Yeah, I know that they've passed on, but it's important. To me, this is important. Uh, they contributed sometimes in small ways and other times in, in rather significant ways to our repertoire. And it is important that we remember where we came from us cellists because when I was learning cello it was still the thought that cello just didn't have as much repertoire you know we were kind of relegated to the corner the violin and the piano they got all the the repertoire and 
Yeah, they still have more repertoire than cello, but boy, we have thousands of pieces of music that, that could easily be integrated into concert programs. Support this project. It will ensure not only better content, but more consistent content, and much more often as well. Hey, thank you for taking the time to listen to this and for watching my YouTube channel as well. Remember to play more forgotten cello music.